In today's show, we talk about the new with Assassin's Creed Valhalla and go back to some of the old with Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. Let's make some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 19 of Making Fun Podcast. My name is Casey Johnson. Alongside me, as always, my lifelong friend, my favorite bird, at Ravy Baby TV, Raven Sad Miller. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing today? You know, it's been a wild week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, I'm still living in this weird understanding of the continuum that we're in ne- next gen now. I thought you were about to say the space time continuum. And I was like, where is this episode starting? <laughs> Have you ever heard of the Mandela effect? No, <laughs> but no, it's just, it's just weird where every once in a while, still I'll be playing my PS five and I'm like, Oh, would you look at that? This is indeed a PS five. That is next gen. Ooh. Ah. And, and speaking of next gen, I, you know, I may as well get this out of the way. I had one of the most odd out-of-left-field experiences in my life that I have ever had on oh. Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so part of what I do at my job is social media. And so I spend a lot of time in the back room working on social media stuff, just listening to a podcast, whatever it is that I'm doing. So I... I'm in the back room and suddenly I get a text message and this text message says, hello, is this Casey? My, my name is John. Um, which I'm like that, that was what the preview for the text said. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, let's see where this is going. Uh, apparently this is John. Um, (laughs) he said, I received a package from Sony today with your name and phone number on it. Oh? And I I opened it and it was the PS4 PS5 camera adapter. And he said, "Here's the funny thing though is that I also ordered a PS5 camera adapter and I got a call earlier today from a lady in Texas who got mine." Huh? So I said, okay, I am at work right now, but when I get home, I'll see if I have one that's addressed to somebody else. And I had one Raven that was addressed with, with a phone number and name to it, but my address, a person in Chicago by the name of William Hare. Okay. He, I know that because he had a Chicago phone number. And so I messaged William and he had one that was meant for this chicken like Colorado. What in the hell? Somewhere. Yeah. No, there's this whole like there's this whole line now like as this, there's this whole tree. Um, John and I had a theory that it's a marketing ploy by Sony to get people like PS5 owners to make new friends. <laughs> Um, I dubbed it secret Sony, (laughs) but uh, no, on a very real level. And, you know, I don't know if this happened in a computer. I don't know if like the person who fulfilled orders got one wrong at some point somewhere, but it's the right, um, addresses with the wrong people. That's 
super weird. Yeah, I know. How does that even happen? Like, it's just, I want to know where it ends. Like, how are you guys going to complete the circle? This feels like the, uh, like a, a Kevin Bacon number at this point. How many numbers away are you from the end of the loop? There's going to be a, a group chat, a group chat. It's going to, so yeah, wild. (laughs) Well, did you show our podcast though? (laughs) No, I was too confused. (laughs) I I didn't even have the opportunity to tell William Hare about our podcast. Mm -hmm. Not even John, John, if you're out there, not even John, John, if you're out there. Thank you for listening to the episode. But yeah, that's that's that is so bizarre. Like, yeah, there has to be some sort of like legal issue arising with that in some capacity. Like probably and like that, that that's the thing. When I was um, at work, I'm like, oh, man, it'll suck if he got mine and I didn't get one. I'm like, no, wait a second. I'll just yell at Sony for giving out my information to somebody else. Right. And I'll I'll get a free PS5 out of this by the end of it. Like, at least some PlayStation Store credit. Give Daddy a free game. (laughs) But no, you got your product just with the wrong name but the right address on it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird because the adapter situation has been odd. Because, like, you apply for this thing and then you never hear anything back. They never say, yes, it's on the way. Like, one day it just shows up in a manila envelope. Oh, God. Yeah, it's super weird. So it's just the adapter to use the PS4 camera on the PS5. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a little, like, what, like, proprietary, whatever that was supposed to be to type A adapter. Free. That is so dumb. <laughs> but I'm glad that you got yours at the end of the day. And, hey, you made a couple of friends, right? <laughs> Shout out to William Hare. <laughs> message text william in the middle of the night hey william hope you have a good day man how's the <laughs> ps5 treating you thinking about you thinking about you xoxo so how has your week been oh busy uh as people know i took off a couple of days from work last week and who knew that whenever i take time off of work that the work is going to be waiting for me when i get back yeah so i've been i think in my in the four days I've worked so far, the only I've had maybe like an hour of downtime. And that's including the time I've had on four lunches total. Like I just, it's been a busy week. I bought a new phone today though. Oh, what phone? Uh, the pixel four, a five G specifically because I'm on Google Fi, And so I got it for 350 bucks. Hey, which is a pretty good deal because it's my biggest gripe with Emily's phone. Cause Emily got the pixel four a, uh, my biggest gripe is that it was smaller, and then now this one is the size of my current Pixel 2 XL. So uh, I this phone works great outside of the fact that whenever I'm on a call, if I haven't restarted my phone before the call, I can't actually interface with the screen at all. Like the proximity sensor, and it gets borked after a little bit of time. Huh. So then if I take the phone away from my face, the screen doesn't come back up. So I can't hang up a call. So if somebody misses my call... I then can't hang up the call. Right. Or even worse, if I'm talking to somebody on the phone and like I answer a call thinking it's somebody and then it's like a telemarketer or something and they want to like ask me to buy their thing. I had to sit there and just be like, please hang up, please. I can't, <laughs> I can't hang up my phone. So I just was like, I'll just buy the new phone. Uh, but yeah, so that's in, that is what's going on there. Otherwise I've been too tired to do most of anything. Um, I've been 
just kind of hanging out and haven't played my PS5 too much, surprisingly. Honestly, same. Like, like I have it, but I'm just like too tired to really enjoy it right now. Like I've been, it's been easier and more relaxing for me to just come home after my long day at work and just sit down on the couch and, uh, and play, um, Pokemon and just shiny hunt like I've yeah. like I have been for the past couple of days because I can just sit down on the couch and it's just mindless it takes 30 seconds for me to do an encounter and I can talk to Emily and watch TV while doing it I don't have to like focus on it too hard um I also had a thought the other morning uh, on my drive to work where uh, or at work at some point where the next time I decide to play Persona 5 it's going to be so much faster I'm going to save tens of hours did I talk about this on the episode last week no no I just responded to your tweet yeah i uh for those who don't follow me on twitter which you should i make tweets uh once a week ish um <laughs> i make tweets i i made a tweet where it's like i or you all save about probably 10 to 12 hours in my persona 5 my next persona 5 royal playthrough because i'm gonna just have the ssd loading times on the ps5 is just gonna make them like non-existent rpgs that have a lot of walking in and out you know you're just gonna save so much time which is gonna feel weird but you know i'm not gonna complain about it I also told Emily about that. I'm like, I'm excited. I think I'm going to play it before the year's out. She goes, you just beat it. And I was like, no, I didn't. She goes, no, Raven, you just beat it in April. And I sat there and I was like, no, that, no, wait. Persona 5 Royal did come out in April or in March. The end of March is when it came out. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) I just want to play it again. (laughs) But yeah, outside of that, I've just been working a bunch opening up some magic cards got some good ones but yeah no for me it's been weirdly the same situation with my ps5 but for different reasons like well number one i've got this week is the last week for a couple of my classes because a couple of my classes are on that weird 13 week thing that they're doing for some classes but not all and it's weird but like so i've got a paper um that is up to my knowledge, because all of my stuff for all of my classes basically is due Sunday, because they're all online classes, and I discovered that this 12-page paper that I was banking on working on all weekend uh, is due Friday. Oh. Um, so I've been working on that quite a bit, and not only that, moving Nia in... And, like, we had to do this massive... It was, like, a $400 grocery run because not only are we stocking her new apartment with groceries, but we are also starting to stockpile canned goods and stuff just in case that becomes a thing again. Apparently there are places in Bloomington that are selling out of toilet paper again, and I'm like, guys, we've been through this. You don't poop that much. Columbus is barren barren in in terms of toilet paper so like i haven't had much of an opportunity to and then you know i i also like to spend time with my girlfriend so what we who does that i'm kidding i'm like and she got the uh she got the hint though a couple nights ago she was like i think i'm gonna take a bath and I'm like, I think you should do that for you and not because I want to play my PlayStation 5. <laughs> and the past few nights, she'll be like, do you want some time to play your PlayStation 5? And I'm like, yeah. Um, so I've been playing through Miles a little bit more. Been playing a lot of NBA 2K. Been greatly enjoying that. Hmm. Not the game I thought you'd be spending the most time on your PS5. You would. No, you'd be surprised. I, I spend a lot of time with 2K most every year. Um, and, and it's the 
the beginning of the game is when is when it's really fun when you're like starting your new my career that you're going to take for the next you know year when you're playing and starting up your new my team and all that stuff so you know i plus most of the time i just want to chill out and that's a very chill out game but i've been playing miles yeah. more and more and uh last night i got to an extreme plot twist that i can't wait to see how it goes uh Ooh. so i'm excited I've been when I do play on the PS5, I've been playing Valhalla, but I just don't have the mental capacity right now to go back and play it. Not to mention that I do need to take a break from it because I do got to play through uh, Origins or not Origins. Uh, I still need to play through Unity some more, and then Syndicate because I've still yet to actually play through that game. But we got we got to do that before uh, I have like two weeks to beat Unity, and then three weeks to play and beat Syndicate. So that'll be fun. Well, Raven, one week into next gen, what is making news? So we got a couple things here. Uh, first and foremost, a big Smash tournament got a cease and desist from Nintendo. The big house is supposed to play this weekend as of when we're recording, and they got a cease and desist from Nintendo basically being like, hey, we're affiliated with you. You can no longer play, uh, do the, run this tournament. Because they were going to, in addition to playing Smash Brothers Ultimate, they were also going to be playing Super Smash Brothers Melee. Now, for those people out there, they're being who are thinking, they're like, "Wait, isn't Melee on the GameCube and hasn't been re-released?" The answer is yes. Uh, a community developer by the name of Fizzy has created a, a computer-based online matchmaking system for Melee called Slippy. So you can play through Slippy from the comfort of your own home with an ironic, ironically better netcode than the uh, Switch can get for Smash Ultimate. Because this is technically a fan project with Melee, Nintendo was like, uh-uh, you can't, you can't do that. Which is a really weird law gray area because they've pro- uh, it's been proven multiple times in the United States that emulators are not illegal and injecting your own code into games is also not illegal. So, so shutting down this event on the precedent that it is that uh slippy is one of those two things is kind of really it's setting a lot of people are very upset about it uh the smash part of my twitter is um hitting the hashtag free melee uh thing up and running which i can understand because these people put a lot of time into this game and basically being told hey you can't compete in this event right now because you can't play it online legally like through a nintendo sanctioned product so it's a, it's a very weird area to be in. Yeah, it, it is. It's kind of one of those things where I completely kind of agree with both sides. And it, it's very rare that you can legitimately say that in today's society. But, like, I get why both sides are upset. Like, I, I get why there, why there is an issue one way or the other. You just got to think at, at some point cooler heads are going to prevail in this somehow because so much of Nintendo's popularity is based off of Smash and so much of Smash's popularity in turn is based off of these events and whatnot. Oh yeah. Um besides the the heavy nostalgia factor that Nintendo has just for all of their stuff in general. So you've got to figure this will be taken care of at some point, but it it definitely it's messy right now. And there are plenty of events that are running that aren't that aren't affiliated with Nintendo in any way. The Big House is one of the biggest events because Nintendo is does sponsor that event and they do publicity for them. But mm-hmm. it's a double-edged sword because now they can't run Slippy because Nintendo doesn't 
like to acknowledge community projects like this. They haven't tried to take down Slippy. They haven't sent Fizzy any to cease and desists from what I understand because there's technically no legal ground for them to do so. But they can kind of uh, twist the big house's arm and be like, no, you can't. You can't publicize this event. So in addition to having to shut down their event for Melee, they also had to shut down their event for Smash Brothers Ultimate and basically, and Nintendo basically had them cancel their event for the entire weekend. And now they have to refund everybody, which is a super big kick in the kick in the balls for them. You know, it's, it's like, I can understand and see why Nintendo wants it done this way. Right. Like they don't want people to know about it because at the end of the day, it is their IP, but also this is Melee is a 20 year old game, right? It's a very old game. I think a lot of people would be more impressed that there's a dedicated group of people who actually put in the time to make this game playable online in the current day and age. Um, but the last time we saw a season desist like this from Nintendo was when they had released, whenever they stopped another Metroid two remake. And then within a couple of months had announced something uh, or had announced the 3d S remake version of it that they had released themselves. So I don't think that we're going to see something like that, but it could show that maybe Nintendo's planning something down the pipeline. Yeah. And it's, you know, being involved with, with marketing and branding and whatnot, as I have been in my life, there becomes, especially when you're talking about a, a big company and its affiliation with something, the question is, what do you want to put your name on? What do you want to put your logo on? And at a certain point, if you are putting your logo on something, if you're putting your name on something, whether or not that's your intention, you're endorsing that thing. And it again it is a is a tough legal precedent. It gets weird with into intellectual property and all of that stuff that probably nobody except the lawyers fully understand and maybe not even them. But take somebody modifying your your product and using your intellectual property in that way you putting your logo on that you putting your name on that is for a company like that a scary precedent to set sure yeah at the at the end of the day you know if i I think nintendo's more or less trying to cover their cover their asses here because if slippy does start taking off you know it's gonna be it's going to just be bad. Regardless of what Nintendo did in the situation, it's just going to look bad on them, right? If they let the event happen and then, I don't know. It's just, it was a, it was a messy situation. I wish they didn't do it. Obviously, I really would have actually liked to watch the Melee. Um, I actually think I was incorrect on the dates for the big house. Uh, I had thought it was supposed to be this week, but I think it actually might have been next weekend instead. But <sighs> being in a, being a previous Smash Brothers TO makes my heart hurt just a little bit because we're already hard. We're, there are people are already ho- so hard pressed to find events now that one of the biggest ones of the year is now being canceled because Nintendo is not wanting because of the slippy allegations or the slippy controversy here. Next up on the list, James Bond is getting a video game. They heard me. <laughs> They heard exactly you. They heard the podcast two weeks ago when I was talking about Watch Dogs Legion. Oh my God, does this scratch an itch for me? Oh, it's a it's called Project 007, and it is being created by the Hitman develop Hitman developers. So, so Casey, here's a fun little tidbit. I've never seen any James Bond film. I don't think I've ever seen one all the way through either. <laughs> okay. I'm glad we're on the same page here. I know one of my character quirks of life is that I don't watch a lot of movies. Um, 
So I'd figured that I was going to get, uh, you were going to get a little bit, uh, a little bit more like, what? You've never seen it, but that's okay. Uh, but yeah, so it, I mean, it, we only got like a teaser trailer. This is the, this is the, Hey, we're making this announcement to get us hyped to see what the, to see what interest is like, right? It was a very pretty render of a bullet though. Mm-hmm. It, it really was, but more so, man, I am glad so glad that 007 in some form is going to be back in the video game space because especially people who are a little bit younger now might not realize what a big deal video games are to James Bond and what a big deal James Bond is to video games like Goldeneye. Yeah. That's a 007 game. Right. And then there was the stuff that came after that stuff that wasn't even based on a James Bond movie, but rather was just based off of the IP and they got Pierce Brosnan who was who was playing 007 at the time. Um, which for those of you that don't know, 007 is kind of like Doctor Who in that different people cycle through the character. Um, but Pierce Brosnan was um, was playing James Bond at the time. And there were several movies like um, Night Fire, uh, Agent Under Fire, um, Everything or Nothing, which I played a ton of as a kid. It was one of my favorite games ever that just came out and were just awesome games because they put time and effort into these games and into this IP. And then, of course, every movie that came out had a, a, a tie-in. And at one point, they went back and remade one of, like, made a video game based off of one of the older, like, Sean Connery 007 movies. And, like, James Bond and video games are, are big business, but they made a, a few that stunk. They made a few that weren't very good at all. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of fell away. And, you know, for for everything there is a season, right? At some point it all comes back around. And considering the fact that another 007 movie was supposed to come out this year, but it's coming out next year, that'll get it back in, in, in the zeitgeist. And I'm very excited about this because this is something that, like, I spent a lot of my childhood on these games. And then I'm playing through Watch Dogs, right? And I get a spy with the spy car. And then I've got, like, the spider robot and all of this stuff. And I'm playing it like I'm playing a James Bond game. And I was thinking, I might have even said it on the show, like... I miss those games, and now I I had one is happening. Mm-hmm. So, Mazel Tov. <laughs> definitely, definitely cool to see. Uh, definitely going to be a lot of stuff uh, coming from this. I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, 007, an eight, a 007 origin story is going to be cool. Like I said, I have no idea about the context of anything that's going to be going on. But hey, pew pew, I love me some stealthy games. Uh, next up, last bit of news that we have here. Um, you know how we talked about last week that uh, we were experiencing issues where our PS5 kept trying to get us to play the PS4 versions? Apparently, that's like pretty widespread. Yeah, Twitter this week has been one big same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I thought it was just maybe us going like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, that's kind of weird. But no, it's just everybody's experiencing this problem. But it's a very odd design choice, I would say, to have to like go in and manually change it back to the PS5 version for a game that you bought that says PS5 on the case. And it's, you know, it's it's one thing because 
you know, we have the issue with disc-based games. Right. And that is one thing, right? Because when I when it happened with me, with Miles Morales, which for context, if you don't know, what happened was I did something, like, I closed the game because I'm trying to show my girlfriend how quickly everything loads. <laughs> so I close the game and I go to click it again and it, it doesn't click. And... I'm like, wait, what in the world? And it takes me to the page to buy the game. And I'm like, no, I I don't want. And then I got to looking at it and it it's trying to make me buy the PS4 version of Miles Morales. And I have the PS5 version, which is the inserted disc. <laughs> and I'm like. I, no, I don't want that version. I want to play the one that is on the disc, which I have inserted into the console. Is that so much of a problem for you? And that is what has been happening to us. But people who have bought their games digitally have been having the same problem. And that is... So weird. That is worse. Because there were people who were downloading and playing for uh, for the last week... The PS4 version of Black Ops Cold War on their PS5, and they were like, "Well, this isn't very next gen at all." It's because it wasn't to the point where Activision had to put out a tweet that's like, "Hey, listen, we made a good game. Just go go yeah, down and that's that's a bit of a stretch and get the other one." It's it's very odd. I wish it would automatically default to the the reason. I don't know why it defaults to the PS4 version. It seems very stupid. It should definitely default to PS5. Because if you have a PS5, you, you want to play it on the, the PS5 version. Like, and It's just so weird because I'm sure this will be patched out within the week. Like, it's ma- Well, we said that last week, but yes. Well, I say that now because it's making so much noise. But e- either way, it's going to be patched out very soon. But how did this make it past QA? How have all of these influencers had the PS5 for, you know, a month now and nobody's been like, hey, um, so this is an issue. Maybe they've been playing it on the uh, PS4 version and haven't noticed because they've been so excited to play. They just gave (laughs) PS5 (laughs) not an upgrade at all. The triggers (laughs) don't do anything. The no, it's su- super weird, and hopefully it gets fixed soon. But for those PS5 owners out there, pay attention to which version you're playing. Yep, yep, yep. But Casey, that is what is making news this week. It is. I heard that you may have some questions for me this week. I got so many questions, dude. <laughs> okay, so. I'm excited to ask you these questions. Sure. Mostly because I never get to ask the questions on this <laughs> show. <laughs> it's always a new game that I have that you're asking me about. So you have been playing sporadically um, the Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Correct. And by sporadically, you mean I played about 20 hours in three days. Right. And then have not touched it since Sunday afternoon. Right. Right. Exactly. That's exactly what I meant. Um, so I guess that kind of answers my first question because I was going to, um, ask 
how many hours you had put in. I guess my first question will be, how much progress do you feel that you've made in the game? And by, by that I mean, has it been mostly story stuff that you've done? Have you been trying to clear areas and actually haven't gotten very far or what? Um, so I've, I, when I say 20, I think I've actually played only about 15 hours. <laughs> in five minutes, you're going to be like, I, I haven't played the game. <laughs> <laughs> Take it or leave it. Uh, I, I haven't even opened the shrink crap. No. Um, so I've played, and by the way, for those people who are new, this is a segment that we do. It's the buyer's guide. Uh, one of us plays a game and the other one has questions about it. So Casey's going to ask me any questions that he has for me about Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I've played probably about one full arc, right? Because when you get to your settlement, they're like, hey, these are your kind of missions that are of importance right now. You can go check these out. So I did the first main in-game arc, which is trying to get back one of the towns with some Viking Raiders. And then I did both of the bits of DLC, uh, the Trial of the Berserker and the Legend of Beowulf. And in addition to that, I have gotten 95% completion in one of the areas and I've kind of done it sporadically through another one or two. So would you say that the um, that what you've played is enough to say it's basically indicative of the experience of the game to your knowledge? Yeah, I would say that I've played and gotten a kind of a good feel of how the systems of the game are going to work and kind of how everything fits in with one another. Everything feels like systems wise feels pretty smooth. You know, um, you can kind of travel around, go get these chests. Uh, you can raid, get the chests there. The raids are really fun. And those give you the supplies and the ingots that you need to upgrade your settlement and your armor or weapons respectively, uh, which then allows you to go and raid new places. So that little loop is nice. Upgrading the settlement's great because it does unlock little features here and there. Um, I got the fishing house up and running, so I'm now able to fish. Uh, beforehand, I was shooting. I was trying to shoot fish with an arrow, and I was like, "Man, this is really fucking hard." I don't know. I don't know <laughs> how they expect me to get all these fish that I need. And then I, uh, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna go upgrade one of these. I'm gonna go upgrade my town because I'm tired of fishing." Uh, it, it was easier to go into the water and swing my axes at some general fish locations than it was for me to shoot an arrow at a fish. But yeah, I mean. Everything, just all the systems feel great. Um, I really like that you don't upgrade your ship. I really like that it, you can just customize how it looks because it's one. Because if you had also had to upgrade your ship with everything else, it would have been probably too much. But I think that there's the right amount of balance. So Especially far. after the amount of time that we've spent in AC4, which we'll be getting uh, to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the number one thing that I wonder as, as an Assassin's Creed fan... Mm -hmm. is because, you know, Origins was a really cool, like, story about the beginning of the Assassin Order. Mm -hmm. um, and then Assassin's Creed Odyssey wasn't an Assassin's Creed game uh, pretty much in anything except name and the Leap of Faith. The Leap of Faith was there, and then the connections to the real world stuff. Right. That's it. Um, so... My my first question that is relevant to me is how Assassin's Creedy is it? So you work directly So first of all, obviously you have the hidden blade. So it's a little bit more Assassin's Creedy than both Origins and Odyssey. In addition to that, 
you do work directly with the hidden ones uh, in some locations. So so far, it's been pretty like pretty much tied in. You can kind of see everything that's going on. You know, this is uh, Valhalla is set a couple hundred years before the events of Altair's game, but you can kind of see everything that's kind of unfolding and seeing how these rivalries are starting and where they're going to go from here. Which it's important to note too, from everything that I've heard from other people talking about the game at first, your relationship with the hidden ones is kind of more understated and you're more so working alongside them. Uh, but apparently later on the game, it becomes much more of, of a focal point. So yeah, cause, cause I've, I've only gotten far enough where it's been like, I know who the hidden ones are and kind of what their organization is, but I, I haven't worked with them directly. Like I've gotten a couple of side missions from the group, but that's about it. You I haven't, haven't had much. to drink whatever it is out of that weird no. cup yet. No, not or, yet. You know, whatever that thing was. And you whatever, know. whatever that. Yeah. I haven't had to do my weird fun, uh, death sequence, but also living sequence. I don't know. That, that was a weird sequence that I really liked, but we'll get to that next week. Uh, or two weeks from now. But yeah, so so far, I mean, it feels like an Assassin's Creed game, but it also feels weird. Expound. For one main reason, uh, Ivor doesn't feel like an assassin, which is the feeling they're going for. However, I like sneaking around at Assassin's Creed games. It's my favorite part. Ivor doesn't feel like he should be sneaking around. Mm-hmm. I do not at any moment feel like Ivor would be the kind of person who would sneak in and around. As far as I'm in the story, right? I'm not super far into the main story. But so far, there feels like there's no reason for Ivor to be sneaking around nearly as much as he is. At first, I was kind of doing the uh, skill tree for the uh, hit, the sneaking stuff because, like I said, I love doing assassinations and such. But, like, it just doesn't feel in character at all. I don't know. It just, it feels weird. I, I like the game a lot so far, but I just can't shake that feeling that it just, Ivor doesn't feel like an assassin and I'm hoping that changes. And that's one of the main focal points of the game. Right. Right. It's, to me, that kind of feels like the, um, what ghost of Tsushima, for instance, did so well. Yeah. Where it explained very early on in the game where he's like, no, I'm a samurai. We, you know, we fight, facing the person with honor mm-hmm. and the the thief that was helping him out was like all right but you're gonna die like and everybody else that you're trying to save is going to die these people don't fight like that if you want to do something good you're going to have to there hasn't so what you're basically saying there is they haven't had that moment to make you feel like, oh, okay, Ivor is doing this out of necessity. Yeah, there there hasn't been a reason because Ivor so many times has shown that he can basically single-handedly do a raid. Ivor is extremely strong and has constantly talked about how great he is as a, as a Viking and has single-handed, like, he could do all of this stuff. It doesn't need to be sneaking around. At one point, you're doing a mission and you have one NPC following you around. They're like, wow, a sneaky approach. I never would have thought you would have done this. And he's like, yeah, yeah, well, shut up. Don't <laughs> let us get caught or something. And I'm like, that doesn't feel right. Like, it just, it. I kept, whenever I was, like, doing that and I was talking to Emily, I kept thinking of the comparison that you, that the the thing that you said about Ghost of Tsushima, where it's like, in that game, it, like, explains that he's doing this out of necessity. But right now, it's just like... I'm I'm hiding because like at the beginning you're hiding because you don't want to get caught, but then after that you're just kind of like Ooh, I'm I, I could 
Yeah, I'm doing it because I because I like playing the game that way. It just feels not. It feels wrong, you know. Yeah. Um. To to that end, what exactly is the combat like? Oh, the combat's great. Uh, so the combat is very reminiscent of, I mean, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, from what I remember of it. You know, you go into combat. There are enemies around you. You in one, but in this game, in one hand you have a shield or a secondary weapon. And, or your main weapon, and then the other hand you have a shield or a secondary dual weapon, or you have a shield. Dual wield shield. <laughs> I have yet to dual wield shields, um, but or you can have a two handed weapon. For a majority of the game so far, I had been playing with uh, dual wielding, not shields, just dual wielding like an axe and a hammer. Uh, recently, I've stepped back and I've started doing an axe and a shield because. The hit reg on the dual wielding of weapons feels a little bit weird. Like sometimes only your first hit will hit. Like your first weapon will connect and the other one won't. So I'm like, at that point, I should just have my shield because then that way I can have a little bit better defense. But then on the other point, I'm also not shielding. I'm only parrying, which I can do with the second weapon anyway. So all of that aside, I mean, you're basically waiting for... So the stun system is really interesting because in addition to basically instantly killing almost any enemy, it also heals you a little bit. So it's kind of that idea where you're doing this big attack, you're getting an adrenaline, you're getting that kind of that rush, getting being able to get back into the swing of the fight. You know, Ivor, at first it was kind of weird because I had to get used to it, but after a while, you know, Ivor can take on five or six enemies by themselves and not really have break a sweat, you know, or two or three enemies. Yeah. Whenever you get up to five or six, you know, it starts getting a little bit more challenging, which is kind of nice because then it shows you like, hey, you can't do that. Like you can, at, at that point, you kind of have to run away, but... Also, you can stand your ground and fight. Um, I like that the abilities are tied to the books of knowledge, which is semi-related, but being able to kind of walk around, get these books, and the abilities really fresh up combat and make it a lot more interesting. What do you think of the um, the upgrade menu? A lot of people weren't a fan of the constellations. I, I think it's fine. I, I, I'm not... I'm not like, oh my god, this is the coolest thing ever. But I'm not. I'm like indifferent on it. It's not bad. Uh, it, it's kind of a nice little like dragging me along on a, like a little rope, right? Because they're like, oh, here's the new, here's this new one. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then you can kind of see that there are three new points that if you go to those, that you can unlock another little area and see kind of what the what the uh, the big upgrade there is, right? And then let's say you're like, oh, I don't like that. You can just reset that skill point, remove the one that you wanted, and then just kind of put it into something else. Um, I feel like there's a lot going on there, but also I'm only 10 hours in, so I'm sure I'm going to flesh out this tree a lot more <laughs> later. You started at 20. Now we're down to 10. Oh, I'm at 10. <laughs> Sorry. 15. 15. I'm telling you, dude, by the end of this, you're going to claim never to have heard of Assassin's Creed. <laughs> Wait, what game are we? What, who are you? Um, How <laughs> is the DualSense taken advantage of, if at all? Not. Not? Not. I'm trying. There was one point that it was used. And I think it was when I was like walking around and like uh, I think it was in a cutscene. The dual sense was like there's a little small vibration. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then it's just not used at all. The the adaptive triggers have not been used one time at all, period. Um, but outside of that, like I do, I'm struggling to remember the one time that I think the dual sense came up with its vibration. Are you playing the PS4 version of the game? No, I double checked it because this game is running very beautifully. I've had zero frame drops. 
um, which is such a nice change of pace compared to Assassin's Creed Unity. Not a single frame. Not a single. Like, honestly, I'm having a hard time, like, finding one. And I also think this game is running at higher than 60 frames a second. Um, But I don't exactly know. I, I envy the people who are like that is 75 frames a second i'm like how do you know i have like a general like oh this looks like this but right now it's like the cutscenes and stuff look like they're running at higher than 60 the standard gameplay looks like it's running at about 60 it's just how smooth it is really but i do think this is my first console that i've had that actually works with hdr yeah so so uh hdr working on my television makes this game really pretty it's also really dark (laughs) so to end out here um, cu- couple of things. Number one, give me an example of something cool that happened during your your experience with the game so far that you weren't expecting. Uh, the, the past few Assassin's Creed games have been known for their little tidbits and cool things that happen uh, within them. Uh, tell me about a moment you were pleasantly surprised and entertained. So, first of all, the flighting, every time I do the flighting is a lot of fun. Uh, all the characters there are really interesting. That's just a little side note. Uh, because one of like my favorite missions so far has been this one where you're fighting a guy, or flighting a guy, sorry, who is uh, something the faceless, so you don't see him. And you go and sit down in this house, and he's like flighting at you, and he's really, really bad. And I've words like, doing a good job like any of the options is actually a good choice and then at the end like you stand up you're like looking around to try and find him so you could like because he's like saying things like actually kind of mean and then he ends up running off so i was like oh that's kind of funny um one of the cool things is that there is one artifact in each location like each little province essentially called a treasure hoard and i didn't do the treasure hoard in the first area because i was like oh i don't need to worry about it you know like i've already gotten all the treasure that i see here i don't think it's anything but in the second one i was like all right i'm gonna buy it see what happens and the, the treasure hoard's like, oh, hey, um, you know, our house is here. I guess it's your grandfather. Our ho- You know where our house is. It's down here. Um, the the Norse are coming through. Uh-oh. I'm going to hide all of our stuff in the well. And I'm like, okay, I want to go check out this well because it's, uh, it's under Grandbridgeshire, which is one of the towns that you help at the beginning. So, you, so I fast travel over there, um, fast travel close, and then walk over um, because walking in that game is so pretty. And I get I get there and I find the house pretty well and then I see the well and I'm like I guess I haven't been here yet and I break open the well and sure enough I hop down in there, the grandfather's dead down there like he fell down the well trying to drop off all this equipment down here. <laughs> Neat. Um and so and then there's all this like family treasure that's just sitting there so I'm just like I guess this is for me and so I take it. Outside of that you know there's little camps here and there that are just not really marked in any way. Um, was going to try and fight one of those like bosses that they teased where they're like little shaman bosses here and there. And I got my ass whooped. Um, but yeah, it's just, Oh, I, I want to talk. There's one that I really want to talk about, but it's a pretty big story spoiler. So I'm not going to talk about it, but there's one sequence in Grant Bridgeshire that made me feel like a detective. Like I, I Sherlock homed my way through that shit mm. had like a pipe in my mouth. Uh, so you'll have to tell me whenever you finish up the Grand Shire stuff, and then I can tell you what I did and how like how cool that entire sequence was. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll do. Um, so to end out, to end end out, what are your overall feelings about the game, and do you recommend that people get it? Overall, I think the game is fun. I've been enjoying my time playing through it. You know, I've been enjoying my time raiding. I've been enjoying my time learning these characters, improving my settlement. 
exploring the world. But if you're looking for an Assassin's Creed game that is like Unity, that is like 2, you're not really going to find that here. The the time that those kind of games have kind of passed on and we're in this open world section now, which has its own merits. But like I said, Ivor currently is just assassinating and is very good at assassinating because cuz, right? So it feels off. But if you could ignore that, which I'm able to for most of the gameplay, like it just is a fun game. Like the the my biggest complaint about this game is that the combat is so fun that sometimes I just don't want to stealth around mm-hmm. because the actual combat fighting people with your axe and stuff is just so interesting that I don't actually want to. I just want to run through the front door and just take people out. Yeah. Do you do you feel that this achieves what they were trying to do in marrying the old with the new so far? Um, I personally have only gotten to the one town of Grantbridgeshire. I'm about to head to another one that is supposedly in-game lore quite a bit bigger. Um, so I will have more details on that hopefully next week whenever I play this game a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So far, it doesn't feel like it has any aspects of the old one outside of the Hidden Blade because right now it's just been a lot of me traveling up and down the river in my boat and just kind of hanging out there and raiding and stuff. And it, like I said, it just doesn't feel like an original Assassin's Creed game right now. Yeah. Which is a shame. I'm, I, like I said, I do like the game enough that I'm go- I'm going to play through it obviously. And I have the season pass, but I'm just, I'm hoping that something happens in the story that like makes that click. Yeah. Where it feels like an Assassin's Creed game. I will say that the assassination screens, whenever you're talking to the person that you just assassinated in this game, are extremely nice. The like the white room confession deals. Yeah. Yeah. Those are those are really really cool so far. I've I've been really enjoying those. Um because you can kind of see there so far I've only had about two or three but they've shown like a great deal of the character that you've assassinated each time. So, what did you think of Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag? Yo ho, <laughs> I'm a pirate. A pirate's life for me. I thought it was okay. <laughs> I was I was thinking earlier today about what word I would use to describe this because like I did want the first word I thought of was that it, it was probably the most disappointing game of my journey, but then I was like Assassin's Creed 3, you thought you were going to love that. So I'm like, okay, well that's gone. For me, what I ended up with this was like the most underwhelming yeah positively and completely underwhelming game that we have that we've discussed here i i thought that edward kenway we'll get to edward in a minute i just think that it's like the game is fine the more I like played it, the more I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm just kind of ready to be done with it. But also I was enjoying the ship combat enough. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be the game I 100%. And I got close. I got to 98% synchronization in that game. Yeah. So I was like right there to finishing it up. Um, but then on the other on the other hand, I'm just kind of like, I just can't do the last little bit. Uh, and it's just the story felt weird and mismatched in pace. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't my biggest problem with it is that it didn't feel like an Assassin's Creed game for kind of 
opposite reasons of like black Fl- or of uh, Valhalla what I just talked about. There's no like tight knit space to kind of go around in. There's no like blending in with the crowd. There's none of that. It's just like you're out in ship combat, right? And then you're doing your ship combat and then you're like, Oh, I'm going to explore the wilderness. And you like, you have the trees and stuff, but nine times out of 10, whenever you're exploring these little areas that like, Oh, there might be a little chest here. There's like nothing there for you to a, nothing there for you to explore and b no enemies for you to try and assassinate to like get to this treasure because, and also this is just a problem with that system that they used for that game and three and two is that a parry is an instant kill. So it's just so easy to just sit there and just kill everything whenever it attacks you. Yeah. And then, because the big boon of this game, right, was the ship combat. Yes. And I loved the ship combat until I didn't. Mm-hmm. At a point, it's just kind of got like, it felt like a chore, right? Because like at the beginning, you're like, yeah, this is ship combat. This is great. I'm going to shoot down this enemy. Pew, pew. And then at the end, you're just like, please just give me your resources. I want to upgrade my ship. Yeah. And like, I don't know. At one point, you and I were talking, probably on one of the one of the shows, and I'm like, I'm getting tired of the ship combat. And you're and you were earlier in your turn. You're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But you you got there. <laughs> I did get there. Yeah, I, I definitely got there. And it's just, it's hard to break up the monotony of ship combat. With regular combat, you can add different enemies with different elevations and stuff, and kind of make it more interesting. With ship combat, it's just more boat, less boat. Like, you can't really put it into a different location, right? Because it's all water. Yeah. (laughs) And if you're trying to add walls to the water, it just makes ship combat frustrating. Yeah, it's it's very difficult to keep it fresh. Yeah, exactly, right? And so that's why it kind of gets, it kind of wears on you after a while. Which, you know, I can look past all of that because of the sprawling um, cities Hmm, wait a second. Oh, wait, you mean the same pirate town again and again? Like, we're go- we keep going. I-, I said it before, I think, too, on the show, where I really like, like, the settlement building mm-hmm. in most Assassin's Creed games. Why is the Great Inagua a settlement that I build? I spend more time in Havana in the game than I do in the Great Inagua. Yeah, there's no point to that reptile. Like, you can upgrade it, and that's cool, and, like, you're there at the end of the game, and it makes for a really cool song uh, that made me have tears when I played through it. But like, it's just, there was so much potential and so much buildup. I wouldn't, it, it's, it, I wouldn't say it's like disappointing. I would just say it's like meddling, right? It's yeah. like average. I think, I, I think I would call Assassin's Creed four black flag average because it does a lot of things good enough, but it doesn't do a good job of interspersing them here and there to make it feel better right i mean i think though what you just said in some ways is is wholeheartedly inaccurate um i think that the issue is that it intersperses them here and there with virtually no thread between them like it's on a very literal level all over the place and it you know if you had made this and and i get it man it was it was a next gen showcase right like this map was crazy and it was big and again back to the whole thing if we had this game and a year we would be singing a very different song i feel like i say that every week but man i don't know if i would i i think that the ship combat would still be pretty boring you know it's like you can only and like i said you can only do so much to change it up 
Um, I, I do like, I do like this game. I do think this game is fun, right? I just, I don't know. I think that Assassin's Creed Rogue does, does what Black Flag tried to do better. And we'll kind of get into my feelings on that later. I, okay, so here here's a question. Why do you think that you and I both loved and fell so in love with this game the first time that we played it? Mm-hmm. And it just didn't connect with us as much this time around. Uh, this time is very much because I tried to 100% it. I think 100%ing an Assassin's Creed game was a terrible idea. Um, I just did so much of it, you know, like I actually went to every single like random chest that was on the map in the ship part. Right. And then just kind of (laughs) like it just, I just, so I got burnt out on traveling. I played through the main story and it's just kind of like, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I honestly don't know. I, I honestly, I, I know I just said I think, but I do not know why it fell as flat as it did for me now as it did, as it didn't in the past. I think it just might have been fatigue from how much Assassin's Creed I was just playing in general around that time, which is why I'm trying to like kind of slow down with Unity a little bit. Um, or maybe it's just that I have a higher standard of video games now and Black Flag just didn't meet that criteria and me in high school just didn't care as much. Right? It's weird though, right? Because like in so many ways especially when you get into just the pure story of it, it's still so charming. Yeah. You know, and that that's kind of where you get into, this is not a bad game by any stretch of the imagination, no. like, like we're almost kind of making it sound. It is, first of all, it is still gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It is still just beautiful. And there is so much progression that you see... And, you know, we're like, I, the the thing that I said about Connor was that he came into the story a naive boy and he left the story a naive man. Mm -hmm. Edward, rather, came into this story as like a naive, small brained, and by small brain, I mean small in scope. Yeah, like innocent, like naive. Yeah. Pirate. And he left as an assassin. Yeah. And not only that, you know, he left with... My God, a daughter <laughs> that like, and you know, there was so much going on there. But the middle parts, there are it's charming, and there are these great moments of realization, these great moments of character building that all happen at the wrong time, <laughs> and that's kind of like when when Edward is like saving Mary, right? I couldn't. Like, you talk to Mary, what, half a dozen times? Yeah. Like, maybe, you maybe talk to Mary for a combined total of, like, ten minutes in the entire game. And it's this really heartfelt, touching moment. And I think, I, I remember playing through it, and I was like, wow, I, I forgot her name, you know? I didn't remember that, and at the time, I was like, I don't know why I didn't remember it. And now that I'm thinking back on it, it's probably just because it wasn't that impactful. Like, sure, it kind of was one of the big moments for Edward as a character to kind of learn what's going on. I understand that Edward had a history with these characters outside of what I saw in the game. I wish I had seen more of it in the game. Yes, I. They they very much had like a long-standing history, and I think that's probably that's probably a very good point. You know, he knew he knew James, he knew Kid. 
but he we didn't know we didn't know kid and we didn't know mary um and it's just i just i did like edward's character a lot i do think edward's very a very interesting character because he does learn he does get realization you know and a lot of the time he's trying to fight this change you know he knows what he wants he wants this money so he can be happy and then throughout the course of the game people are like you're not going to be happy getting that money isn't going to help you be truly happy you know and he finally gets the courage to reach out to his wife again to just find out that she's dead and passed away and so he now has a daughter that he has to take care of which that is that is what has made him happy um and you know uh the very last song every time i watch it still gives me chills because you see all these people that edward kind of grew up with in this in his time in this area and they're all of them are dead yeah except for the one that's singing (laughs) She had to live so that she can sing. Yeah. Uh, one of my main problems with the game was that it didn't... F- and this is kind of a tr- uh, a theme that happens as we go through the story, like as we go through the games. Um, I don't really feel like there's much of a time progression in this game, even though like seven or eight years pass. It doesn't feel like that. With Ezio, we saw him noticeably age, but Edward's already at that eight point in his life where he's not really... He's already scruffy. Yeah, so he's already aged, right? And it's just, you don't feel that sense of progression that we've gone through these couple of years at a time, right? Yeah, and it's it's also tough because, you know, seven or eight years in the realm of pirates is the longest story that you can tell. Because so many of them, like, only did their thing for a year. And all of the stuff that they did that we read about was in a year. <laughs> yeah. Like, Blackbeard's character was great. I really liked all of the stuff with Blackbeard. I thought every, every bit of the Blackbeard arc was perfect. It was great storytelling. And we saw Edward kind of growing up in that instance, right? Like, we saw one of his close friends, Thatch, just, you know, get murdered in front of his eyes. And then he gets up and he tries to, you know, get back into the swing of things. And then, I don't know. I will say that the Assassin's Brotherhood in this one kind of felt shoehorned in almost. Like, it felt very out of place to me. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I feel like, again, with so many different small tweaks, it wouldn't have been like that. Like, the first time that he goes there and then the slaughter happens or whatever, and they're trying to get him to join the Brotherhood. And he's like, no, I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not an assassin. And it takes like Mary dying for him to become an assassin. And it's just like, why? There was no logical reason, first of all, within the canon for him not to join the Brotherhood at that time, considering all he wanted to do was take down the Templar Order. Like, hello, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. At least work with the assassin, yeah. right? Like, I understand that you're you're wanting to do this in your own way and you're wanting to take it down, but like you can use assistance, right? And I feel like if he had just become an assassin right there and done pretty much most of the same stuff, it would be a lot better. <laughs> but I just, I didn't feel as though he progressed quickly enough. Like there were moments very, very late in the game where he's still like, no, I don't want to. And I was like, Dude, we're like three quarters of the way through this game. Yeah, you're still trying to work with this guy to get a bunch of money for selling the observatory. We're like two chapters away from the very end. Like, come on, man. You know, he's doing it right up until like the the Templar, like the the Grand, not the Templar, sorry, the Master Assassin that helps get you out. Like he he hates 
hates Edward with all of his being, right? Because Edward is the one who sold out his people. So, like, there's obviously something there. And then he helps get Mary out to the boat so they can give her a proper burial. And then what? He's like, these look like they, they, these suit you well. And hands him the robes. I'm like, no, they don't. He's done nothing for your cause, period. He has fought you every step of the way. It should have been the other way around where Edward apologizes for what he's done because Edward never apologizes for anything in this game. He should have been like, look, I've messed up. I want to help. And then we should have seen him try to work towards that to eventually get the robes. But it just feels like a cop out to be like, you deserve these. Here are the robes. Thank you for getting Mary. Like, and then... I don't know. I, I feel like I'm being a lot more a lot more hard on this game than I originally meant to be going into this, but there was just a lot of like problems that kind of just the problems swam beneath the surface. Yeah, no, I mean it's weird because this is for all intents and purposes, and and follow me here because when I say this, you're gonna want to rebut it, but I promise you'll agree with me at the end. This is a great game that has a lot of tiny issues that lend themselves to becoming one big issue that takes a great game down to merely good. Yeah, I agree. Wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment. Like, and and the worst part is that the issues aren't, like, in one area. They're interspersed in each one. Like, Edward is a really interesting character, but he has these little issues. The story's really great, except we're going to sprinkle in these character issues. Um, the, the world is like really vast and interesting, but there's nothing to do. Ship combat's really fun, but it gets really boring. Like it's just each thing that you're constantly doing is just not it. It's okay. But there are issues that bring everything down. Like I do think one of my funniest moments in the game is that Ottawa is like, Hey Edward, you know, don't go buying equipment for yourself. Make sure that your, uh, your ship and your crew is taken care of first. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, I never, I didn't buy myself a new set of swords until like the last sequence of the right. Movie. I because like you don't need it. The um the sword that I got for pre-ordering the ultimate edition of the game way back when I switched to that, and then it was by the end of the game, it was still the best sword. Yeah. Oh yeah. It all the swords don't matter because you're just parrying anyway, and the parries will kill anybody anyway. You know, I I bought a new set of guns at one point towards the middle of it and then at the end of the game because, like, the guns actually matter. Yeah. Because they have the better range. So it's like, you might as well get those. You know, though, with all that being said, better than Brotherhood. I think that, yeah, at the core, I think it is a better game than Brotherhood. I still have a lot of gripes with it, but I do think that underneath all of the issues, there is a very good game there, but... You know, I I argued with you a little bit earlier that I don't know if it would have been a better game if I had had a year with it, but maybe it would be. Maybe I'm just trying to be, uh, maybe I'm just being too harsh on it right now. No, that's the thing. Imagine you weren't no-lifing this game, is my point. Imagine that you were treating it like you're treating Valhalla right now, where, you know, you have some sessions with it every week, you look forward to coming back to it because you get to jump back in, and it's not, like, as grindy. You, you know, you enjoy the grind because the grind is spaced out. That was kind of my my point, is that, like, if you had time to really sit down and and digest this game slowly and take a break and play the new whatever and then come back to it and still 
I think then it would be a lot more palatable in all of the things that we got tired of over the course of the game. Exactly. I I, I think that these I think that my original thought was just that these issues are still going to be pre- prevalent, but I think that I'll have enough rest in between all of the issues to make it just feel better. Right. Yeah. You know, I had no life this game as a kid, but I are not as a kid as a, as a young adult at that point. Right. I had no life this game when I was younger, but even then, like I still enjoyed my time with it then i just think that i'm too nitpicky as an adult i've gotten cynical <laughs> I, i'm going to point out all the errors as opposed to just kind of dealing with them plus like i said i tried to complete it and i don't recommend trying to play this game i think there's way too much going on in it to 100 percent it uh like which is a really big shame because rogue i think i i think actually at some point i'm going to go back and like play through rogue and actually explore that world a little bit but We'll talk about that next week. So where do you rank it? Are, are we saying right above Brotherhood at this point under Revelations and 2? Mm-hmm. See, that's that's the weird thing because then we get into, is this the third best Assassin's Creed game? That right, right, exactly. And so that's, that's the thing is that I really think that we should be doing a tier list where we like have them like we can group them together because I would put this on the well, same you know what? level. This is what we decided on. This is what we decided on a long time ago. We said we were going <laughs> to rank them. It's done. Shut up about your stupid tier list. It's it's, it's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the games that are ahead and where I would put them just kind of at a glance. But like, you know, I think I with all of the shit talking I just did about this game at least it's more memorable at the end of the day than brotherhood. I don't know. It could really go above it or below it for me. Cause like uh, putting it below, it would put it below brotherhood and then right above Assassin's Creed three. Yeah. Which I think is also fair. Yeah. It, it just basically would have to go down to, is this game even with its issues better than brotherhood, which is just kind of average at best. Right. Here's what it comes down to for me. Um, because considering you could go either way, it, I feel it falls on me to make the executive decision. At its core, maybe just due to the fact that it was an Ezio game, like Brotherhood may be considered better. But if we're looking at them as mostly equal, I look at the fact that this really, really introduced ship combat. Like, really introduced it. Assassin's Creed 3 introduced it, but it didn't. Right. This, this fully utilized ship combat. And this started... This changed things in gaming, which I think is the mark of a great game. This game walked so that games like Odyssey, um, even games like Sea of Thieves could run and it introduced so much stuff that is still in today's games and stuff up into you know the Assassin's Creed game that was released last week and for that reason even if it's kind of a legacy pick because of importance to the series I think it needs to go slightly above for me. My my biggest reason that I wanted to put it below is because I would just rather explore the world of brotherhood than that. But I do I do concede to the fact that I think it would with what it does for the series and what that gameplay is like in a consumed smaller sitting, how much how fun that the game is at its core, I would agree. It's probably just above brotherhood. Yeah. Okay. So that's where we're at. So at the bottom of our list 
is Assassin's Creed, the original. A great game for its time that has not held up all that well. Uh, right above that, we've got Assassin's Creed 3, Brotherhood, Assassin's Creed 4, Revelations, and Assassin's Creed 2 at the top spot. And next week, we're going to kind of be doing a double header. Raven's going to be talking quite a bit about Assassin's Creed Rogue. Uh, I'm going to be talking about Assassin's Creed 3 Liberation. Uh, yeah. And these are not, well, Rogue is technically a mainline entry, but let's face it, it's kind of not either. Um, so neither one of those are going to go on the actual ranking, but we did decide that we wanted to dedicate some time to them as well. Uh, so... I actually cannot wait to hear about that because you've been going on and on about Rogue and I, I can't wait to just, just can't wait to hear that. I'm very excited for this topic next week. <laughs> Every time I said something that I disliked in Black Flag, I thought about the parallel it made in Rogue and how much I liked it better there. But there are probably reasons for that. But we'll get into that next week. Any parting thoughts on the week, Raven? Um, No, I think I'm good. I just... I'm happy that we can do this every week and talk to the people and I can talk to you. Casey. I'm like, do you have any thoughts on video games? And you're like, man, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, it's true. Shut up. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, we love you. The listeners. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Um, thank you for sending in your questions. The past couple of weeks, we are already planning a, uh, a little bit of a, of an interaction spectacular, as it were, Raven. So, details on that coming soon. Follow us online at Making Fun Pod on Twitter, on Facebook. We're in those places. Yeah. Also, feel free to uh, follow us on our personal accounts. Um, if you want to see me tweet once every three months, uh, then I am Casey on camera. He is at RavyBabyTV. Thank you for listening. We love you. And for Raven Sad Miller, my name is Casey Johnson. Go out and brighten someone's day.